guys, welcome to the Journey of Ruth podcast. My name is Courtney Loman. I'm so excited that you guys are here with me this week. It is a big week with the Journey of Ruth podcast, and that's because we have something brand new launching this week. The Journey of Ruth Inside Look arrives in email boxes this Friday. So what is it and how do you sign up? Well, it is a monthly newsletter that we will send to you the first Friday of every month. It will be full of encouraging words from scripture. It will have updates on the podcast, information about past guests and anything that you need in order to get in contact with them. If our guests have given us anything, coupon codes or a download, that will be located there as well. Guys, this is just another opportunity for me to encourage you guys in written word instead of spoken word. I'd love to hear what you wanna see in the newsletter. What is it that you want in your mailboxes the first Friday of every month? Now, how do you sign up? Head over to our website, journeyofruthpodcast.com, and right there on our homepage, there will be a pop-up that says, need encouragement? You can sign up for the inside look right there on that pop-up. Just put your email in, click the sign up button, and there you go. You're all set to receive the first edition of the Journey Ruth Inside Look. I'm very excited to get this to you guys. So please go sign up today. So for the last year, I've been introducing you to so many people that are great mentors to either myself or close friends. Their wisdom is encouraging. It's been uplifting and challenging. It's been humbling sometimes. And I believe that God can use these people and their wisdom and their stories to change lives and make a difference. And if I didn't, I would have quit a long time ago. Can you believe it's been almost a year since I started the Journey of Ruth podcast? But let me tell you what it can't replace. And that is that it cannot replace you having discipleship present in your own personal life. I mean, seeing other people find this mentorship, this wisdom through the vehicle of discipleship is the whole reason why I started the podcast. Way back in episode nine, I talked a little bit about discipleship, what it is, and how I've seen it played out in my life. But what I've realized is I didn't give you guys a very clear definition of what discipleship was or an action plan. So today I wanted to offer a definition for discipleship expand on that and show you three different types of discipleship. And then I'll be sharing with you the play process, a four-step plan to finding your perfect mentors. Yeah, I use that plural word on purpose, and we'll talk more about why I believe it's not just one mentor that we all need. It might seem simple, but I think we get our best definition of discipleship from the Bible. I mean, Jesus instructs his disciples, the men he spent three years pouring into on a daily basis, to go and make disciples. That's found in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And that's exactly what they did. Now, Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, 
being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So now the instruction is not just happening in a Bible study context. It's not even instruction solely based around Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. Instead, it includes an aspect of helping young women become more like Christ in every area of their life. All about following Jesus.org says discipleship is teaching biblical precepts while modeling and guiding others toward living righteously as followers of Jesus Christ. Discipleship equips the Christian with God's word, prayer, doctrine, worship, encouragement, and service. If you put all of those words together, it's going to really affect so many portions of your life. Now, we see a lot of examples of discipleship in the Bible. Uh, Moses and Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. But there is a great story of Jethro discipling Moses, giving him advice, and helping him to see how he could be a better leader for the Israelite people. Eli and Samuel. Ruth and Naomi. David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan, they were the same age. So that's an interesting perspective that we're going to talk about. Paul and Timothy, of course, Jesus and his disciples. And let me just point out that all of these examples, they share gender. So I would suggest that if you're seeking discipleship, that you find someone of your same gender, because the advice that you're going to receive woman to woman is going to be very different than woman to man. Also, Discipleship is meant to be a relationship where there is complete honesty and an open line of communication. And sometimes across sexes, that can get a little confusing. Um, Lines can get blurred. And so a lot of times it's just a lot easier if it's woman to woman or man to man. Many of you may have heard me share the analogy of discipleship looking a lot like climbing a tree. I didn't come up with this analogy. It's from the Bible study, Open Your Bible, by the girls that run She Reads Truth. The idea is you start climbing this tree, and you're going to start, obviously, on the ground, and when you're young, you're going to get to, like, the first branch, and you're going to be so proud of yourself that you get to that first branch. And then as you get a little bit older, you feel a little more confident to grow a little bit higher, maybe because you've grown taller, uh, maybe just because you're a little more brave. But it will help sometimes if you can watch someone climb that tree and then follow the same steps that they took. So in the tree that is the Christian life, what we realize is when we look around, we are not the only one climbing this tree. If we look up, there are people above us who have already made it past the mark where we're at, have made it higher, and we can reach up to them and say, hey, can you help me to get to where you are? I want to be at that branch. Can you please show me a path to get there? We also have people around us that are at the same level we are. And while they can't tell us maybe how to get five branches beyond where we are, they can certainly encourage us and be our biggest cheerleaders. And then there's people, when you look down, that are on the branches where you've been. And you get to have the blessing and the honor of reaching down and saying, hey, come this way, I'll show you how to get to where I'm at. 
So that's three different groups of people, right? Above, on the same level, and below. This discipleship tree is shared in a lot of sermons as the Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy perspective. What does that mean and who are these people? A Paul is someone you would reach up to. Barnabas is someone you would reach out to. A Timothy is someone you would reach down to. So let's look more into Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy and who they are. All right, so let's start with Paul, the mentor, the person that you're going to reach up and say, can you help me grow? Paul was headed to Damascus to arrest the Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem when Jesus met him on the road. Saul was a Pharisee, and he's one that knew all the laws and all the rules. But because of this, he had developed a hatred for those who followed Jesus and persecuted them with a passion and a really heavy hand. No forgiveness. However, after Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, he chose to follow Jesus and all that passion that he had for arresting and seeing Christians tried or killed, it went the opposite direction. And now all of his passion was towards following Christ. So we want someone who has a fire and a passion to study God's word and live life in a way that reflects Christ. Another thing that I found interesting as I was studying is that he didn't wait to start discipling. Now, it was a practice of Pharisees to be discipled underneath the Pharisee and then to have their own. In fact, Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel another Pharisee who was a highly respected teacher of the law. So it was actually a bit of a brag to say that he studied underneath him. In fact, in Acts 22.3, he brags about it. <laughs> he brags about the fact that he was a Jew, he knew the law, and that he discipled at the feet of Gamaliel. But what we see in Acts 9 is that many days after his conversion, not three years, it just says many days after his conversion, all of which he had spent proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue, the Jews in Damascus came up with a plot to kill him. And it's his disciples that snuck him out of the city to safety. So only a few days into being a Christian, and he already has disciples. So what do we want from a Paul? We want commitment to the relationship, a deep love and commitment to the Lord. We want honesty founded in the word of God. I don't just want their opinion I want their opinion informed by scripture. The ability to encourage. Humility is a really good thing to have, but I also want them to be able to correct and affirm me with grace. So while I want them to be humble, I want them to have that personality that can say, Courtney, we need to have a real honest conversation here because there's something that we need to change. I read a very interesting thing written by Dale Tedder. It says, I hasten to add that you must beware of someone who says he has been a Christian for 25 years, when in reality, he's been a Christian for only one year, 25 years in a row. In other words, there has been no growth and maturation over that 25 years. So what that means is when you're looking for a Paul that doesn't mean that you have to look for someone who is 25, 30 years older than you. You're looking for some of the things that we just mentioned 
but they may only be a year older than you. To be honest, they might be two years younger than you. They might be 10 years. They might be 15 years older than you. There isn't an age range, guys. Okay? It's about the qualities that you're looking for in a disciple and who do you find them in. My friends Jacob and Shereen Hodge work with the Navigators at the U of A campus here in Arizona. And in their latest update, they mentioned that they were training older college students on how they can be kingdom relators for the younger students. Um, the definition they used was a kingdom relator is someone who is able to listen, pray, empathize, and ask questions that point others to Jesus. I think this is a great definition of what a discipler should be. I've had people who've discipled me with a gentle hand, never really pushing me to share, kind of allowing me to speak uh, whenever I was comfortable. But I also have people that have discipled me with a bit heavier hand, sticking with one topic or one focus until I opened up. And usually that's because they knew it was something that I needed to talk about or it was something that I needed to ask forgiveness for or to let go in my life. And so I appreciate people on both sides of the coin. All right, that's Paul. Now let's move to Barnabas. So these are our people that are right beside us in the tree. So they're your associate. Barnabas was an encourager. Acts 4.36 says that he was known as the son of encouragement. And you're going to see that <laughs> throughout scripture um, when you hear about Barnabas. So one of the first things that he did that was crucial is when Paul got to Jerusalem, now that he's a follower of Christ or a follower of the way, he looked for the disciples in Jerusalem and wanted to be a part of them. But do you remember what Paul was doing a few weeks before? He was killing all of the Christians. <laughs> and so they're like, uh, no thanks. We'll, we'll take a hard pass on that one. But Barnabas takes Paul into the disciples and Acts says that he declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. It is completely the result of a good character witness from Barnabas that Paul is accepted by the Christians in Jerusalem. We also see Barnabas as an encourager in Antioch. He was sent to Antioch, and when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but if someone were to write something about me after I die, I would hope that it would be something like that. For she was a good woman, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. What a great description. But before that, we see that he was there to encourage the Christians of Antioch. He continued to encourage Paul and actually went with Paul on his first missionary journey. So what do we look for in a Barnabas? We look for someone who also wants to grow in their relationship with Christ. We're looking for someone who is willing to speak truth when it's needed. Someone that can admit their faults and accept yours and someone you enjoy spending time with. 
uh, this person is hopefully someone you already know and has an equal desire to become more Christ-like in their own life. There's someone that you can trust and who you can receive instruction and praise from. <laughs> if you don't have a relationship with this person, it can be kind of hard when they're like, hey, so there's this one thing that I think you should maybe work on. And that can be a hard pill to swallow if you don't have a relationship with them. I have a friend that I've met with for several years for Bible study, and we've been friends for years. But when we decided to actually like sit down and kind of take this Barnabas discipleship road and do Bible studies together, my son was six months and our daughter was about a year and a half. So we decided we would meet one morning a week and do a Bible study together or read a book and discuss it. Um, it resulted in very fruitful conversation. Uh, it resulted in opportunities to pray for each other through really great things, really hard things. Um, we got to encourage each other on how to respond to our very entrepreneurial husbands. Both of us had them, so we could really kind of uh, commiserate, um, identify <laughs> with each other on that fact. With the kids in the mix, sometimes our study took us an hour. And sometimes it took us three hours because, you know, diapers need changing, snacks need to be eaten, plus quite a bit of mom, mom, he did this, mom, she did that, mom, mom. <laughs> you can only imagine. Uh, the last time I saw her was actually last Monday. Um, we celebrated my son's sixth birthday and we had breakfast. Our kids enjoyed each other. Did I mention we have five kids between the two of us now? all under the age of eight, but she moved. So we don't see each other on a regular basis anymore. But what we still have is that relationship where we will call each other, catch up and pray for one another. Hey, how can I be praying for you this week? And it's still present. So that's my Barnabas. I challenge you, who would you consider to be your Barnabas? You may already have this type of friendship with someone but maybe you've never looked at it as having that name. And, and by the way, not every friendship is a Barnabas relationship. And, and that's okay. We need all of our friends for different reasons. But who is the one you call when you need spiritual advice or a nudge in the direction that will help you become more Christ-like? They are your Barnabas. Now on to Timothy. Timothy is the apprentice. And Timothy was Paul's representative to several churches, the church in Corinth, the church in Philippi. Paul mentions in several of his letters that Timothy is with him. They spent a good amount of time together, and Timothy was a disciple of Paul. Paul actually describes Timothy as faithful in 2 Timothy 1.5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Did you catch the legacy of discipleship? The faith he displays was that of his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. So please don't miss that biblical marker that your faith does have an eternal impact on the lives of your children. Don't miss it. Write it down if you need to. Timothy, he learned from Paul, and then Paul sent him out to encourage churches and make disciples in areas he could not reach. Or he sent him out 
to encourage the churches when he was trapped in prison. His instructions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2 are very important. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the picture of discipleship. Take what you believe. Take what the Lord has taught you. Pass that on to a younger Christian who is faithful in their relationship with Christ. And then send them out. Our goal is to see this discipleship plan reproduced. It is not supposed to end with us. It's not supposed to depend on you. If it ends with you, you've done it wrong because you've pointed to yourself instead of to God. What Paul is saying is, Timothy, I have given you so much information. You have watched me. You have learned from me. You know scripture and Jesus Christ as well, if not better than I do. So go and share that with faithful men in these churches so that they will go and share it with other men. And then do you see how the numbers begin to grow exponentially? My husband's a huge math nerd, and he loves running numbers. Like, he just runs them in his head. I'm, I'm not that way. But what I know is that when we follow a plan like that, I'm going to teach you, and then you go and teach a couple people, and then they're going to go teach a couple people. The numbers multiply very quickly. And, guys, the effect that that can have on our generation and on our world in a couple of years, in a generation, in a couple of generations is huge. So 2 Timothy 2.2 is an important verse for teaching us how we need to be discipling. What does a Timothy look like? So a Timothy is faithful in their personal relationship with Christ. They're available to commit to the time. They're teachable so they can receive correction with humility. And they're eager to learn and grow more. What do we need to do for a Timothy? Guys, it is our job to encourage them to grow in their faith and personal relationship with Christ, to use their gifts and talents to serve the body, and then to live a life that glorifies Christ. What I think is important to remember is that discipleship doesn't have to wait until a person becomes a Christian. So I think some people believe that discipleship is something that happens after conversion, after someone has accepted the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ alone. But I disagree with that. Um, you can, I think you can begin to meet with someone and have spiritual conversations, answer questions, uh, study the Bible together before they decide to follow Christ. And, and that time may be exactly what that person needs to safely ask the questions that they have and figure out what they think about Jesus. Is he real? What does it mean to be a Christian? And aren't there a lot of rules Uh, The Bible is a big book. Where do I even start reading? If I become a Christian, what does that mean for my family that has died and didn't accept Christ? These are hard, hard questions, guys. But don't shy away from someone in this place. What a wonderful time to walk alongside someone and help them find these answers. I mean, wouldn't you rather them come to you than go to Facebook or Google or, heaven forbid, Wikipedia? (laughs) I mean, Wikipedia is good for some things, but not a question like that last one. And don't let these questions scare you. You don't have to be a theological expert because I'm not. (laughs) 
So I am preaching the wrong message here if I say that you have to be. Uh, There are so many great resources out there to help you answer questions that your disciple may have that you can't answer. Guys, the reason that I am convinced that discipleship can happen before conversion is because I had that opportunity to begin discipleship with a woman before she made a commitment to give her life to Christ, before she was Christian, and what a blessing it was to get to walk her through her questions, to get to study the book of John with her, and then to pray with her and hear her accept that free gift of eternal life. I got to meet with her for a little while longer as she continued to dive deeper into the gospel of John, and it was really cool to see how her questions changed a bit after she prayed for salvation, but her curiosity, it just increased. It was an amazing opportunity. So just remember that the goal here is to see this plan reproduced, not end with you or depend on you. You know, I mentioned that plural word at the beginning. And the reason for that is because I believe that we need more than one person in each of these categories. One person is not going to be able to speak to every area of your life. One person might have really great wisdom for your marriage. Someone might have really great wisdom for your finances. Someone, if, if you know, doctrine and theology is something that you're really interested in studying, there may be a person that is the perfect disciple for you in that area, but maybe not in another. So asking one person to be all of these things for you, I don't really think that's the goal. Um, It might result in some disappointment if you're expecting one person to be all things. Let's remember, Jesus is the only one who can be everything for us, okay? So don't put too much on any one person. It is this person's job to point you towards Christ, um, offering advice only when needed. But most of the time, a discipler's job is to serve as a good listener um, and admit when they don't have the answer. And if they don't know, my hope would be this person would help you find the answer or suggest somewhere else where you can go and find the answer. So now we see the importance of discipleship and how it might work. But how do we find a Paul? How do we find a Barnabas? How do we find a Timothy? It can be scary and it can be confusing. I have been kind of diving deep into the world of discipleship for the last three years. And the one thing that I hear the most is it's weird or scary to ask somebody, number one. Number two is I don't think I'm qualified. I don't really know if I know enough to be a discipler. So those are the two things that I hear the most. And recently, I was trying to kind of approach that, how do I ask someone question on a Facebook Live? And God broke it down into four simple steps for me, which has become the play process. That's spelled P-L-A-A for finding a discipler. And then you can actually use the same process to find a disciple. So P-L-A-A, play, stands for pray, look, ask, and act. So it's a four-step process. So the first step is pray. We have to start in prayer because if you don't, you're going to be looking for a disciple that has everything you want. And let me tell you, some of the people that 
have discipled me, I probably wouldn't have chosen as a discipler. They would not have been my first choice. But it was because of that, like, itty-bitty amount of uncomfortableness that they pushed me in ways that I maybe wouldn't have wanted to have been pushed. But now, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I, need, I needed to be pushed in that direction. That they were exactly, exactly who I needed in my life. So start with prayer. Let God know what your desire is. Well, God, I really want someone to disciple me. I want someone to help me along this path. I want you to be specific about the areas that you want to grow in and the qualities that you want to find in that discipler. Now understand that you may not find all that you're hoping for in one discipler. Remember, we just talked about that. <laughs> but trust that God will lead you to the discipler that you need. Start reading scripture about discipleship and discipleship relationships. I mentioned a couple at the beginning of the show. Go back, write down some of those, and go find them in scripture and read about those discipleship relationships. What's happening in those relationships that you want? Is it honesty? Is it friendship? Is it wisdom? What do you see? And one final one that I really want to encourage you to include is what are your fears about discipleship? Maybe you aren't sure that you have time. You know that it's something that you want, but you're not sure that you have enough time for it. Um, maybe there is something in your past that you're ashamed of and you're concerned that if you start this discipleship relationship that this person will find that out. God is not a God of fear. He's not afraid of these things. And bringing these things to him can provide a bit of peace as you look for that discipler. You can know that God knows your fears. He knows your hopes and your desires. And he's going to lead you to that person who he has already chosen for you. So we prayed and now we're going to look. I want you to ask God to give you his eyes and start looking for a discipler in communities that you are already a part of. It is a lot easier to begin a discipleship relationship with someone that already knows you. While you were praying, you thought of some qualities that you hope to find in a discipler. Okay, now take those qualities and say, where might I find people that have these qualities? Maybe you could look for a Bible teacher that you respect. Maybe it's a leader at your church. Maybe it's a coworker that speaks very boldly about their faith. Maybe it is a family member. These are all wonderful places to start. But I also want you to specifically pray that God would lead your eyes to places and people you might not think about. Because there may be someone already in your life that would make the perfect discipler, but you have yet to see them in this light. Uh, that someone might be quiet. They might be loud. They might be really busy and you don't think they have the time for you. But I want you to start looking through Jesus' eyes and write down their names and start praying for those women specifically, as well as paying really close attention to the conversations that you have with them. Okay, so we pray and we look. Now on to the two most scary steps. The first two steps can be done at home without approaching anyone else. The next two steps require you to step out in faith. And I know that it's scary, but believe me, 
it is worth it. It is worth it. So pray, look, now ask. Ask. Once you've prayed over those names, ask God to lead your heart towards one woman to approach. If you're not feeling led strongly to one more than the others, start with the woman that you feel most comfortable with. Because probably on that list, any of them would make great disciplers. (laughs) But if God isn't like, well, how about this one? Don't sit there paralyzed by the fact that you can't figure out which one God's pointing to. Just pick the one you feel the most comfortable with. Get in touch with her and ask her to go to coffee with you. Have lunch. You can meet in a place where the two of you uh, both enjoy. Just really you're trying to find a place where you can talk. Now, this meeting is your chance to ask questions. Usually, as the discipler, it's their job to listen more than speak because they want to know how they can serve you and help you. But this is your chance to listen. Get to know her a little bit better. How long has she been a Christian? How did she become a Christian? If she's married, how did she meet her husband? Uh, And what is their keys to a successful marriage? You know, this doesn't need to be scripted. It's not a job interview. But by getting to know her a little bit better, you may find that you have more in common than you think. That might lead to you feeling a little bit more comfortable. It could also mean that what you find is while she's a wonderful person, you are realizing that she's not the person to help you with those areas in which you wanted to grow. Remember in prayer, we we said we kind of wrote down some of those areas that we want to grow. And so maybe you're just, you're discovering in this conversation, I don't think this is the woman to help me grow in the direction that I want to go. And that's okay. Don't see this as a failure. That's why we made a list of a couple names. Okay. All right. So we have pray, look, ask, and now we're going to act. You're like, well, wasn't asking acting? Yes, it was, but don't leave it at the asking. Okay. That's great. But here's what we're going to do. If you met with that woman and you're like, yep, she is a woman that I want in my life. Well, here's where the rubber meets the road. If you feel confident in her ability to disciple you, I want you to ask her clearly and specifically if she might be interested in meeting with you and discipling you. It could be at the end of your coffee. Um, It could be later on. Guys, this isn't dating. There's not like a three-day rule, okay? But, I mean, just ask the next time that you see her or at the end of coffee, hey, would you prayerfully consider meeting with me on a regular basis? Now, I say prayerfully consider because you got the chance to pray through this. You got the chance to pray over this opportunity and this relationship. So shouldn't she have that time, too, to pray? So, I mean... Some people are ready to answer like right away. And that's because they've already been praying about this. They are excited and waiting for someone to disciple and you're just an answer to their prayers. So their answer may be yes, right away. But don't expect that, right? Prayerfully consider meeting with me on a regular basis and be specific. Like what are you wanting from them? Are you wanting a weekly meeting, a monthly meeting, are you hoping that she'll walk through a Bible study with you or, or that you guys can memorize scripture together? Maybe you're looking for answers to questions about marriage and parenting. 
having these specifics, which hopefully you already have if you follow the process, can help her to understand your expectations so she can make the best decisions. I do want to make sure that I say here, there is always the possibility that the person you ask will say no. Do not let this discourage you. Once again, this is why we made a list of a couple people. Be glad that she didn't commit herself to something that she's not ready for or available for. If this happens, I encourage you to just take a few steps back in the process and ask another woman from your list. Or you can go right back up to the top again and start again. Pray, look, ask, and act. Guys, my hope is that the play process will help many of you find that discipler in your life. I know that there's a lot of things we discussed in today's episode. So I created a free worksheet available on my website to walk you through the play process. It has questions, places to answer the questions, so that you can actually have it down on paper as you're walking through the process. You can get that by visiting the link on my Instagram or my Facebook, or you can just go to journeyofruthpodcast.com slash download, enter your email, and you'll be sent the link for the free download. I hope this will help you walk through the process and find success. You know, I spoke through the process as if you were looking for a Paul, but the same process can be used to find a Barnabas or a Timothy. Remember, none of us were meant to walk through this life alone. And this is one way that you can find that community that we all need and desire. If you use the play process, I would love to hear how it helped you. What questions did it bring up? Was there something you didn't understand? And you know, I'd love to hear if you're able to find a mentor and begin meeting. Thank you for joining me today. Just a quick reminder, the Journey of Ruth newsletter comes out the first Friday of every month. To get signed up, head over to journeyofruthpodcast.com and put your email in the pop-up that comes up on the homepage so that you don't miss out on this month's newsletter. Hey, if you want to share this episode, the easiest way to do so is just take a screenshot of the episode in your podcast app and post it to social media. If you do that, make sure to tag us at Journey of Ruth in Instagram and Facebook so we can see who is loving the episode. If you like what you hear each month and are looking to support the Journey of Ruth podcast, head over to patreon.com slash journeyofruth. And for just $5 a month, you can help support the website, reduce hosting fees, and allow me the ability in turn to be kind to our podcast guests. If you're looking to connect with me during the week, you can find me over on Facebook and Instagram at Journey of Ruth and on our website, journeyofruthpodcast.com. There you can find the past episodes. And if you're looking for a speaker for your future group event, I would love to chat with you and get your group on the calendar. Just fill out the form under the speaking tab. I hope you have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you on Tuesday in two weeks here on the Journey of Ruth podcast.